Welcome. I'm Riley Karsh. I'm Tova Copan. We are thrilled to bring you the We Go Boldly podcast. Let's talk big burning questions, life changes, and maybe a bit of personal business. Let's be bold and brave together. Are you ready? I am. Here comes the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to We Go Boldly, the podcast. We are so, so happy to have you with us. It's interview day. I'm excited, as always. Everyone knows how much I love interview day. I get all wound up uh, and sometimes say weird stuff. It's great. Um, But we're excited. We have a guest here, a friend of mine who is a new friend of the show, and uh, I can't wait to talk to her. Before we get into that, let me introduce my co-host, Tova. Uh, How are you today? fantastical Tova. What's happening? I am great. I am confused. We've had many days off in a row. Oh, yes. And so, yes. You had the weird long, long weekend. Yeah. And we're recording this right after Memorial Day weekend. And we had a six-day Memorial Day weekend. I, yeah, that's that's awful. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> I don't – Um, it was actually like um, I, I didn't have the boys the whole time. But when I did have them, we, we had a really great day. Like yesterday was one of those genuinely like really wonderful days with only like a medium level of them being annoying to each other um and i mean we i say that and we did leave a diner like unceremoniously because i was like (laughs) you're like i'm done that's it yeah (laughs) um but they apologized right away and i was like yeah yeah nice you should and um so, yeah, so no, it was good, but I don't know what day of the week it is. And based yeah. on the next couple of weeks, I'm not sure I will know what day of the week it is until July. I think that's accurate. This yeah. part of the year is very hard for me to figure out. It's yeah. probably the hardest other than maybe right back to school and then holiday, like big holidays. And and I will say, and I know we have an interview and I want to get to yeah. it. Really, like yesterday, I like laminated a bunch of stuff and I'm like, I'm sure this will help me. Like I have a hundred percent been there. And you know what I've done is I've ruined my six-year-old because he also thinks that if you laminate something it'll just make everything better i mean my fridge now has like goals for the year a snack list like yeah uh, our our worksheet that we put together to help us like focus the summer it's now going to be on my switch all summer so it can be like what am i doing here yeah why am i doing this um but i did put some stuff into practice yesterday which was great and so yeah so it's it feels good but then also it's like I was just had a call for other work and I was like, all right, so let's game plan for the next four months because it's going to be October for, before we know it. And it's true. I've done this job in sales long enough to know that. Yeah. But I, it still feels weird to say on May 31st to be like, all right, we need to work on everything for the next four months because it legit will be October. Yeah. Um, but no, that, that, that's overwhelming, but <laughs> it's um, interview day. it is interview day. So we're going to get to it. Everyone knows this season. We're talking about unlocking what holds you back from living your best life. Um, that was hard to get out. I don't know why. Maybe yeah, I'm you stumbled. Something's, yeah, no, something's holding me back. Um, yeah. but you know, so we've been talking about this for, I don't know how long, a while now. And, um, I'm really enjoying this season. I'm enjoying talking to guests about this topic, because I think that everyone has sort of a different take on the things that get in their way or the ways they get around this stuff. Um, But what is universal to me is that we're all struggling with things, right? That we all have things holding us back and we have to work through them. So 
hopefully your takeaway from this season, if nothing else, is that you're not alone if you are struggling. Um, so let's introduce our guest for today. Uh, a good friend, Elizabeth Halpin is with us today and we are going to start talking to her shortly, but let me tell you a little bit about Elizabeth. So she's been a member of the senior leadership team at Seton Hall School of Diplomacy and International Relations, as well as the university's four-year undergraduate leadership development program, the Bucino Leadership Institute. There's so much packed into that one sentence. She's done a lot of good stuff, guys. Um, She served as chief officer leading design, implementation, and strategic assessment activities in external affairs, administration, strategy, and leadership. She assists with mission, visioning, and future forecasting, branding, organizational culture, and process implementation for the college. She is one of an expert team creating leadership development programming and experiential learning opportunities for top students. She specializes in women's empowerment and leads diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice efforts. She also serves her community on the Town of Clinton Economic Development Committee and the Friends of Clinton Parks and Events Nonprofit Board. Elizabeth has been... Oh, let me try that again. Has been associate dean of the Seton Hall University School of Diplomacy and International Relations, as well as acting director of the Seton Hall Bucino Leadership Institute. And as of this month, she became vice dean of continuing education and professional studies and director of undergraduate programs for the Bucino Leadership Institute. There is so much packed into your bio. And I know there's like 8 million other things you do because I know you personally. Um, but I'm very excited to welcome you to the show and have you with us today. How are you doing, Elizabeth? What's going I'm great. on? Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be with you guys. Yeah, Happy we're, we're the summer. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's the very beginning of the summer and we're thrilled to have you. Um, I'm going to let Tova take over the first bit of questioning because That's I normally exciting. jump in. I never in. get to ask the big first question. I know, I know. I'm letting it's you do exciting. it today. So I'm getting out of the way. <laughs> well, we are really excited to have you, Elizabeth. I'm like, oh, maybe I want to go to that school. Oh, I know, right? Undergrad again? Like, <laughs> what can I learn? Um, but you know, you've listened to the the podcast, so you know that we always start with the super easy questions. So we are going to give you an easy question. Um, so that question is, how have you unlocked your purpose and passion in your life? Super easy. Yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. Like throwaway easy, question. <laughs> Um, so, I mean, I got this really great opportunity, uh, work-wise to work with students. So I've been doing external affairs. So mainly non-student related, um, work at the university, working with donors, working with alumni, um, working with partners and things like that for many years, uh, doing marketing communications, all these sort of you know, stuff around student affairs. And I got this really awesome opportunity because I was working with our uh, young women leaders in the School of Diplomacy to be part of the Bucino Leadership Institute and work with students on a more regular basis. Um, and that has really been sort of, you know, this, um, the start of some really purposeful work for me. Um, because you know these are students that we're drawing to the university who are really top students, top leaders in their high schools and the programs they're coming to us from. And then we get to sort of unleash them, you know, and and make them into um, 
purpose-driven servant leaders who are going to really make a change in the world. And it's really been fun because it's been over the last six years when we've also, you know, had sort of a societal reckoning on diversity and inclusion issues um, and the, you know, the way that we talk about women in leadership and things like that. And so it's been really fun for me um, to, you know, give this learning and, and learn with the students um, in ways that are going to impact a, a, like a t an entire societal change on the way we do leadership and, and the way that um, we work. And so I think it's been really, really fun. And it's made me feel like, you know, I always working in a school of international affairs where you're sort of preparing people to go out into the world and solve challenges. I've always felt like the work that I do has a small impact on people changing the world. And so that's really important and makes me feel good about the work that I do. Um, but in this way, where I'm now an instructor uh, teaching leadership development and teaching diversity, equity, and inclusion, and, and, and talking about women's leadership in particular, it's been really exciting for me to feel like my work is, is impactful and is gonna have, you know, sort of a lasting effect for many years on the way, um, the way that this generation of students is gonna change our society and make it better and more progressive. I love all of that. How do you think, um, how do you think that rolls over into your personal life or does it like, do you, does that play a role in your everyday life outside of work? For sure. Um, you know, it's, it's really interesting. Cause I think I, um, I sometimes struggle with this because I have three sons. Um, and so my house is full of men and I'm, I'm working by day on women's leadership issues. And then I come home to all my men. Um, and so I'm struggling with how, to, how do I impart this kind of knowledge on them when, you know, when, when we're talking about women's leadership programs, we're still mostly talking about programs for women rather than, you know, programs that are inclusive or programs that are um, for allies. And um, we haven't really gotten there yet. So I work, um, you know, so I struggle at home with how do I make my family into the kind of, of leaders that I want to see around me um, in this way. And I feel the same way about the diversity work that I do because I live in a primarily white community. Um, and, you know, my, my making sure that my children are having diverse experiences and that they have an understanding of what's happening in the world around them when they're in this sort of sheltered bubble. Um, I struggle with that, that on the daily. So that's something I'm, I'm definitely working on. Like, how do I bring all the stuff I'm teaching at work into my personal life in a way that's, that's meaningful and that I feel is not just walk is not just talking the talk, but also walking, walking the walk in my personal life. It's an interest as a, as a mom with three boys as well. It's, it, it's a, it's interesting conversations to have with them because um, like I'm currently wearing a t-shirt that says empower women, empower women. Right. And like, I don't wear the shirt every single day, but I do own it. And the other day I forgot that I had a Elizabeth Warren shirt that said, you know, something like being president, it's what's what girls do. Mm -hmm. And we've had conversations about things like girls at their school wear women power, you know, girl power t-shirts and stuff. 
And I was always very careful. Like my kids never wore t-shirts that were like tough boys or whatever the boys t-shirts say. Right. But they've, they've asked about that and they've asked about, um, especially my older one has been like, yeah, but they wear girl power t-shirts. Like, and I was like, well, yeah. He's like, we don't have boy power t-shirts. I'm like, cause you literally have the power. So you don't <laughs> need a t-shirt. But, um, I, I've been, I felt fortunate, um, with, I, I feel like Joe Biden is a good model of somebody. I mean, there's a lot of things that he's not a good model for, but there's a lot of wonderful things he's a good model for. And one of them is to say, you can still want to grow up and be president and you can bring people with you. Like, look at who he placed on the Supreme court. look at who he has as the secretary of the interior. Like, look at where he places people. Like he brings people with them and you as little white boys can still have big dreams right now. They all just want to be major league baseball players. Um, <laughs> but this has nothing to do with my question. That was just a long, uh, conversation. Cause I'm like, Oh, we should talk more about this. But, um, I, my question is, it sounds like, you know, I think some people, they start out with a passion or a purpose and then they find the job that fits that. And it sounds like maybe you had other jobs and you ended up somewhere and you're like, Oh, well, this is great because this is my passion. Um, is that, did I, does, is that what happened? Is that sort of how it worked? Um, or like, what was your path? I mean, you said kind of loosely your path, but if somebody would have talked to the high school version of you, like, what did you see happening? So I went to college thinking that I wanted to understand how people thought and why they believed what they believed. And so first I started out in psych and then it was a lot of math and science that I couldn't get my head around. And so I ended up in philosophy and religion. And, um, and then I did a master's degree in Jewish Christian studies to, um, because I thought, oh, I'm going to be a professor of comparative religion. Like I want to understand like, you know, how di different beliefs around the world are both the same and also different and what makes us different and what makes us the same. And, um, and then I started working at a college just to continue getting educated <laughs> for free um, and, um, and happened into a position. But I think, you know, to answer your question, um, my, my research in college was all around like feminism within religion and how do we, you know, how, how did um, the stories of women um, heroines in the Bible, you know, um, play into the way that we treat women in society? And, um, you know, how do feminists see, um, see religion differently and things like that. And so, um, so I kind of eventually found ways in my career to bring my passion into what I was doing. So I would just, you know, find little side things that I could do that spoke to my passion. So I, you know, I knew there was a leadership development program in the business school. So I started talking to the director there and said, listen, I'd really like to be doing programs with, there's a you know, smaller number of women at this time. Now we have more women than we have men in pretty much every field in, in um, undergrad. Um, but at the time there were more men in our school of international affairs than there were women. And I could see that the, you know, the young women were like trying to find their place and trying to understand the different challenges that they would face in their male dominated career field. 
So I'd start talking to the um, director of the program at the business school and said, how could I, you know, what are you doing? What are your best practices? How can I bring something like that to the women in the School of International Affairs? And then I worked with some students who were interested in starting a club. And so we, you know, we built a little side program um, to, you know, help women with the challenges they were facing and talk about what was going on in current affairs, things like that. And then, you know, the more I did that, the more I got, I got sort of into and chosen for diversity and inclusion efforts that were happening on campus and committees and things like that. And so then I got more into the diversity and inclusion work, um, but all sort of like on the side. But then I had all these extra credentials that made me fit for um, actual positions uh, that I could, you know, get paid to do. <laughs> In, the, in those areas of passion. So it sort of, you know, was started out with me picking and choosing some side things that I could do to speak to my passion that became enough of my work that people started to recognize me for it. And then I built it into my career. What, um, what do you think gets, I have two questions and the, I don't know how I'm going to ask them exactly, but, but I'm wondering, like, not everyone has faith in their ability to navigate that sort of uncertain pathway and what do you think it is in you in your life maybe in your temperament I don't know that allows you to feel confident in that you can build the future that is right for you that actually meets your 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 values and your goals and your purpose how do you where do you think that comes from that's a good question. I think, you know, I'm a very risk averse person. So I think in general, like, I I think it's telling that I sort of built these things on the side and then like worked them in because I would not, I would not be the person who would say, you know what, this job I'm in doesn't speak to my passion. So I'm going to quit and find the thing that works for me. I, 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 that would be terrifying for me. Right. So, <laughs> so I think um, for me, it's more about, you know, um, it's it's been more about like, how can I be a joiner, right? Like, how can I join things that are going on that I think are interesting and people that I find, um, you know, might give value to my life or might, bring interesting perspectives or might teach me something into what I'm doing. Right. So I'll join the DEI committee at the university because I'm like, well, I want to, I want to be better as a person. I want to know more. I want to learn more. I want to do more. I want to, um, you know, be more inclusive. And so I join that on the side. I try, you know, I start working my way in and then I find, you know, I find some confidence there when, I start to be known for, you know, having a strong work ethic, I think is pro probably the way that my com my confidence comes is because I know that I'm a hard worker and that I, you know, will go the extra mile. And so, you know, and I, I'm confident that I can get things done. I mean, I think that that's something, right, that 
many women, particularly moms, are good at, right? <laughs> yes, yes, that is a mom superpower. <laughs> getting things done. Um, and so then, you know, then, you know, you start to find that other people think that about you and that they know that, you know, if they, they assign you to something that it's going to get done and it's going to get done well and that good people will be involved. And so, um, so I think it kind of builds from, from the hard, hard work and the, the, you know, strength that you, you know, you can, you know, you know, you're going to do what you've been asked to do and and try to do, do it well. I think it's interesting that you don't think of yourself as a risk taker. And I'm want to highlight this for, and then we we do need to take a break, but I want to highlight this for people who are listening. When we talk about risk taking, a lot of people think like what you just said, Elizabeth, if you aren't ready to just quit your job and like jump off the bridge and, you know, run down the highway on fire, then you're not a risk taker. Right. Um, and I don't think that's true. I think that you are taking, you know, by being a joiner, like to me, it's much more risky to t- to join a bunch of stuff than it is for me to like quit my job that just because of my personality. Um, and so I think it's important that we recognize when we downplay certain things about ourselves, like a lot of people think if you're not a risk taker, it's it's a negative thing. And I also don't agree with that. But, you know, I do think you're taking risks. I think all building all of that stuff on the side was a huge risk. Um, because what if it didn't work out? Or what if you did it and nobody liked it? Or you, you know, you didn't have time for your family or, you know, there's a million ways that can go, anything can go wrong on any given day. So I do think that's, that's a type of risk taking that, um, is important to acknowledge. Um, but let's take a quick break. And then when we come back, Tova will jump in with our next question for you. So we'll be right back, everyone. Tova here. I'll admit, when I think of a coach, I immediately think knee-high socks, whistles, and clipboards. Is it because I love Ted Lasso? Maybe. I mean, I think it's a good look for you, if I'm being honest. Thanks, I think. Anyway, that's not the kind of coaching we want to talk to you all about. True. We are talking about life and transition coaching, though I do still love a clipboard and a tube sock. Both Riley and I are lucky to have worked with incredible coaches throughout our lives. Before that, though, we struggled with where to start, believing in what coaching could really do for us, and, of course, putting ourselves first. Taking the leap and working with our coaches made all the difference. They gave us direction and support when we needed it most. Now, we are fortunate enough to be coaches ourselves, and we're excited to pay it forward. We can help you figure out where to start, create a roadmap, keep you accountable, and get to living your limitless life. Sounds pretty great. So if you want to figure out your next steps, check out our services at goboldlyinitiative.com slash services. We can't wait to talk to you. Now, back to the show. All right, welcome back. Um, I do have a follow-up question because it sounds like you are pretty confident that when you join something, um, you're bringing something to the group, right? And that you are adding value. And I think that that is something that not everyone has that confidence, right? So people maybe want to join, but they assume that maybe they wouldn't be wouldn't be needed, or nobody would want them there, or so like Riley, like adding to Riley, 
what she was saying about it being a risk. Um, do you feel like there was something I know my, all my questions are like when you were a child today but um <laughs> that's usually Riley those are Riley's it's usually questions. me I know I yeah don't. so um is there something that you experienced either you know your parents telling you something or your just something that happened at school or something where you have this sort of inner knowing that like I I'm a value add and they'll you know if I choose to join they're lucky to have me <laughs> so do you have anything that you recall that that gave you that, that inner knowing? Well, I think, um, yes, absolutely. I think, uh, I have a really strong independent mother. Uh, she was like, you know, the, she had the quintessential like power woman of the eighties thing going on with like the leather skirt and the pumps and the, you know, the puffy sleeves and she was ready. She had her sneakers to walk to work. And, um, <laughs> you know, she just, she just has that kind of persona that, um, you know, was important when we were growing up to see her working and, you know, she stayed home with us when we were really little and then went back to work. And so it was really important for me, I think as a role model to see her working and, um, to have the sort of strength that she had to say oh, you don't let people tell you what to do or who you're going to be and you know you can do anything and she she was very much all about her kids and so um you know in in one sense um probably a little overly so and that she's like oh well you could you know you could be president you can do anything you want to do and and you know now as a college professor we see that sometimes that backfires and students <laughs> think that they can do things that they can't do like if you're failing biology you probably shouldn't be a doctor um so, you know, so we have to sort of talk them off that that ledge that our baby boomer parents told us you know the sky is the limit right um but I think that it worked for me in the sense that I you know um I was you know a strong leader in high school I was you know Susie high school I um, everybody knew, you know, who I was and, um, and sort of that care, you know, that can do attitude carried me through. And I think, um, you know, when you were talking, it was reminding me that I, I, I carried that strength and confidence into my first job. And it really helped me and work and, um, you know, people were like, who's this girl? Like, what is she? She's the lowest man on the totem pole, but she's not afraid to tell her opinion and, you know, give suggestions that are outside of her um, scope. And it, it really worked for me in the beginning and I rose quickly. Um, and then when I, when I had my kids, when I had my second child and I came back to work, I lost my confidence. I really struggled. Um, I just felt like, I came back after four months and the school had moved on and I didn't know what was happening. And I felt like I just wasn't qualified and I felt very insecure and had a lot of imposter syndrome in all of my meetings. And um, we had in a guest speaker to talk to our leadership students. Her name is, am I allowed to say her name? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah her name is Amelia Timpo. And she worked uh, from, she's an African woman who worked for many, many years at the UN on really important issues like AIDS and things like that. And I asked her um, a question in front of the group, said, I'm sure that there were innumerable occasions where you were the only in the room, right? Either you were the only woman in the room or the only African in the room or the only person of color in the room or, you know, how do you handle those situations um, where, you know, someone might 
have feel an imposter syndrome or might feel insecure in those in those situations. And she said, I have a function. Someone put me at the table because there's something that I'm supposed to do there. I belong there for a reason. And if I am insecure and I don't perform that function, then I failed. And that really, I mean, those words ring in my head every time I go into something that I'm feeling insecure about. And I say, just remember to perform your function because, you know, when we turn inward and then we don't, you know, speak up or give our opinion or share or whatever, we're... You know, we're, we're worthless in that meeting. We're just sitting there. And so it's very, it's been very helpful to me um, to remember that somebody put me there for a reason that I have a purpose to perform and that drives me forward. That is amazing. Um, I'm going to hold on to that too. I, you have, I haven't heard you tell that story before and I love that. Um, what do you think Obviously, that's a motivating factor for you. But what else motivates you every day to kind of continue on your path, whether it's like in your personal life, at work, wherever you're going? What What's your biggest motivating factor? That's a good question. Um, I mean, certainly, you know, certainly my kids. I think yeah. you know, I, have, I have three children, uh, ages nine to four. And um and, you know, I mean, obviously we live for our kids, right? And I want to make sure that the world that they enter into after they leave my bubble <laughs> is a better one than the, you know, than the one that uh, they entered into, um, you know, when they were born. And I, you know, I mean, I think it's really difficult you know, you think about those things, right? When you're deciding whether to have a family and you're like, this world is terrible. Like it's a terrible <laughs> place. What am I doing bringing more people into this terrible world? Right. You know, and you're thinking about like climate change and will they even have, you know, an adulthood? It, it, you know, will, will, the, will the world still be okay for them to breathe in? Um, and so I think, you know, I think the motivation is really, what little steps can I take to make sure that, you know, by voting, by um, by being part of my community, by helping prepare leaders for the future, all of these things, what steps can I take as an individual um, to help make this world better for them? How do you, um, I'm sorry, Tova, I will stop. No, how no, do no, you, no. how do you avoid overwhelm with that? Like that, I think a lot of people listening could hear that and be like, oh, crap, I'm totally overwhelmed by all of that. Now I'm going to go hide in my bed and not get out for the day, <laughs> which yeah. a little, I, I have a little bit of that feeling. You know, when I think about climate change, which our kids are constantly talking about because it's in every aspect of their education, which is a great thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but they talk about it all the time. And I'm like, oh, what have we done to you guys? Um, and sometimes I want to run away and hide. How do you, how do you deal with that feeling? How do you sort of navigate that? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we all have moments of of overwhelm, and sometimes those moments are some, and sometimes we use wine, right? (laughs) Yes, yes, (laughs) to overcome those moments. Um, And but no, I think um, you know, I think there. I mean, there's a million um, quotables on on this one, but um, we we just had our 
School of International Affairs graduation ceremony last week. And um, our dean was talking about uh, an interview he'd done with Jan's, um, Jan Stoltenberg, um, I believe. And he was saying uh, that he had said, you know, no one can do all things, but everyone can do something, mm -hmm. right? And so trying to keep those, you know, and you've got the like Mother Teresa one of, you know, um, small things with big heart, you know, th those kind of, you know, keeping those sort of mantras in your head about, you know, okay, well, I'm not going to solve climate change, but <laughs> I can put my, you know, recycling in the bin and I can, you know, use less water and I can, um, you know, I can do small things that have, you know, some kind of an impact, right? I mean, we, and, and we think, I get really, you know, you get really down on those things, right? You're like, oh, okay, so we're going to put in this plastic bag um, ban. Right. But really, what's that going to do for like the world of plastic that we're using? And like everything in the grocery store that I carry in my plastic bag also has plastic in it. So um, is it really going to make a difference? But then when you see the difference over a year that that has actually yeah. made, right? I mean, it's made a huge difference. Um and so, you know, so you, so, you know, you try to take celebration and the small impacts that you have and, um, and try to teach your kids to do better than you can do. Well, I, I want to highlight something you said, and I don't know if I have a question or not. I'll, I'll find a question in there. I'm sure. Um, because, you know, as you know, this whole season is about what is holding us back and unlocking what's holding us back. And I think you highlighted a really big thing. And actually in the way you've lived your life, as far as I can tell as someone who, you know, doesn't know you, you've lived this practice, which is it's okay that right out of college, I didn't get my dream job doing exactly what I want to be doing. And it's okay that I can't personally solve all of climate change. I mean, I have some ideas how we could solve it, but it requires <laughs> like taking around down massive corporations. Um, but that does that isn't going to stop me from getting myself one step closer and doing the one thing that I can do. And I think that that is something that holds a lot of us back is that feeling of like, if I can't do it all, I'm not going to do anything. Or if I, you know, or if I can't do it well, I'm not going to do it. Or, you know, if this isn't exactly the dream job that I wanted, then I'm going to say, no to it. And so I just want to sort of highlight that I feel like you were talking about it in a sense of climate change, but it also sounds like this is something that you have really done throughout your life. Like, I don't have to lead the group. I don't have to start my own group. I can join this group. They're here and I can bring something. Um, and so, you know, I, I'm going to try to have a question that doesn't go back to your childhood. Um, and I'm going to take a turn. Let me just check on the time because I feel like I've not been good job, job at like paying attention. Okay. Um, we're good. So I guess I have a question then um, because we haven't talked about this yet, but I assume you've experienced failure in your life. Um, so how have you dealt with that failure? So, I mean, obviously failure um so as a leadership development instructor right we talk a lot about failure and how mm -hmm. failure is to growth um and so i think it's really important that 
we take those moments to figure out what we can learn from them. So a lot of what we teach is about self-reflection um, and how most people go through a life without a lot of self-reflection and how much greater and more robust and um, the learning experience can be if you actually take the time to self-reflect and how you can you know really learn um, from your mistakes and things. So um, so I certainly, <laughs> I certainly should be doing that as much as possible since I'm teaching that. Um, but I think, I think, you know, especially with the diversity and inclusion, um, like the plethora of what I've been learning in that space, it's been probably the most informative toward my, my handling of failures, right? That um, Because when you're in that space, you're learning that it's a lifelong journey and you're, you're always gonna make mistakes, right? Like there's never a time when you're gonna be like, I've got this diversity and inclusion thing and now I'm like totally cool and I'm always gonna <laughs> say something right? Like yeah. that's never gonna happen. Yeah. Right? You always will have ingrained biases, unconscious biases and things that will prevent you from saying the right thing in the right space. And those things change too. And so what was right five minutes ago might not be right five minutes from now. And so um, learning to have grace when you're making mistakes and to say, thank you for that feedback. Like, thank you for telling me that I've made a mistake instead of saying, oh, my intention was good. Oh, you know, and defending yourself, um, I think has been really helpful for me because I think particularly as a woman, I, I felt like growing in my, even in school and in my career and things like that, that it's very difficult to admit mistakes because you're afraid that you're going to, you're going to be invalidated, right? Like that all of your credibility will be lost if you show that you didn't do everything perfectly. Cause you always feel like you have to do twice as, you know, work twice as hard and do twice as good as the um, men in your, um, in your same space. And so it's been really hard growing up into admitting mistake and, and to like really fully embrace failure and to grow from that. Um, so I feel like this, yeah, working in the diversity and inclusion space has been really helpful for me in that because you're there, there is no, there is no perfection. And so learning to say, I'm sorry, I made that mistake. Thank you for telling, thank you for letting me know. I will try, try to do better. Um, you know, you've, you've taught me something and I'm growing is something that I feel like I've only learned recently. And that's been really important for me. I love that you connected all that together. I hadn't thought about it in that way. And um, it's it's absolutely true. I mean, I struggled tremendously with taking any kind of feedback until sometime in my late 20s um, because it was just brutal for my whole feelings of self-worth, right? Like I would just fall apart um, and get, like you just said, get defensive, get talk about my intent, like, talk, you know, all these things. Um, or, you know, place blame somewhere else, all, all of those fun, childish behaviors. And um, I think having kids actually really made a huge change for me because I didn't want my kids to be such incredible perfectionists like I am, although I will acknowledge that I might have failed at that a little bit. Um, and uh, but I do think it's really important for people listening and 
even for, for the three of us to continue on that pathway of being able to acknowledge when something has gone wrong, like you've either made a mistake or you miscalculated or, you know, like you said the wrong thing, which I do all the time. And um, being able to say out loud that, yep, I made a mistake and not take it on as if it's a defining characteristic of who you are as a human, right? Like that's the big takeaway for me is like, okay, this doesn't reflect on who I am as a human being. It reflects on what just happened in these last, you know, 10 seconds and that's it. Um, So I love that you tied that all together because um, for anyone who's afraid to start DEI work, um, you know, if you're struggling with the whole concept, this is a great way to work on yourself. This is a great way to work on your ability to acknowledge your mistakes and your shortcomings and failures um, and to not make them about yourself, right? Like that's, I think that's the, the biggest, biggest thing. Um, so talking about failure, let's talk, let's do the flip side of that. What, what do you, how do you define success for yourself and what do you do to help yourself feel successful? Yeah. I mean, I think that's a tough one, right? Jason, my husband, um, has often said to me, uh, you know, when you talk about your work, you either just say, oh, I work at Seton Hall or, oh, I'm an administrator at Seton Hall. You never identify that you're, you know, you're an associate dean or a vice dean now. But, you know, why don't you, why don't you claim your, you know, your achievements? And I think I've, you know, I think, and I think this is partly um, an ingrained society thing too, right? Is that, you know, like you never want to seem pretentious or, um, that you're, you know, bragging in any way. And I feel like, um, you know, I feel like we, we sort of learned that in school, right. You would get a hundred on the test and get excited. And then somebody would be like, you know, make you feel bad about getting a good grade. Right. They didn't, you know, they didn't do as well or whatever. Um, and so, yeah, so I, I think I do struggle with, trying to like with acknowledging success. Um, and so, I, you know, I, I'm, I turned 40 a few years ago and I felt like that was a really important moment for me to reflect on where I, like how I, how far I had come in life. And usually I think for me, it's, a you know, someone says like, oh, wow, look at what you've achieved. And I'll say, oh yeah, yeah, thank you, thank you. And be embarrassed and then walk away. Um, but you know, at 40, I really sat down and thought about it and it was in the middle of the pandemic. So I had the time to actually having a big party. So <laughs> sitting in my house by myself, um, and really, really, um, thought about, you know, my successes and, and where I was in my life. And I mean, certainly I had never, imagined this kind of life for myself and you know in high school if you told me I was you know a vice dean at a university I was like you're crazy uh (laughs) that's ridiculous um so yeah I mean you know I um so take you know I took that time to reflect and I felt really good about you know about my life I have a beautiful home I have a husband who supports me and who I support um I have three wonderful children who are actually like really good kids who get it and and you know are kind 
Um, and you know, I do this job every day that is fulfilling and that actually I feel is impactful. And I, you know, I felt really good about where my life had gone. And I feel like generally I just think like, oh, you know, I'm kind of square. I have this, you know, house in the suburbs and I go do my soccer mom thing on Saturday in my (laughs) minivan. And (laughs) my (laughs) students all think I'm really old and that I don't get cool music. And (laughs) I feel like most of the time I just feel like kind of, you know, a person in their forties. Right. <laughs> um, so, but I feel like it, yeah, I feel like it's important once in a while to really take stock and say like, yeah, you know, I'm happy with how this has gone. And I, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad that I don't feel, I didn't feel at 40, like where did my life go and why, you know, like I should be doing something to completely different to make me happy. I think, um, I, so I have so many thoughts about this. Um, one is I am still struggling this with this, with raising kids because I have a, you know, you both know my daughter, but not everyone listening does. She's very, um, emotional and loud and like, just, you know, everything about her life within meeting her for five minutes. That's just how she is. Um, and she's a swimmer and she has been struggling and then like working really hard. And so when she wins at practice, she comes out of practice screaming about how she won. And it's a very big challenge for me because I want to be like, yes, you did it. I'm so proud. Yay. And then I also want to be like, but don't rub it in their faces. (laughs) Um, and so it's a very interesting, um, I hadn't really thought about it too much until you just started talking about this, but it's a very interesting issue or or situation that I find myself in because I I don't want to downplay it for her. I don't want to be like, you can't celebrate that. That's ridiculous. But I also don't want her to hurt her friend's feelings and not have any friends anymore. (laughs) So, so it's very, um, and I'm sure I do the same thing, right? Like we all get compliments and then we're like, oh yeah, that's nice. Or, you know, play it off or whatever. And instead of being like, yeah, I did, you know, kick butt at that conference. Like I did so great. Um, what's nice about working with Tova is that we can do that for each other sometimes. Yeah. (laughs) And we can like high five on our way out. And, and so I, I, I'm going to interrupt you momentarily because I do think it's important both for us to model celebrating things, but also to model celebrating other people. And it's one reason um, that like, you know, we might, I like when we play, I really hate when we play board games because there's always fighting, but most of the fighting is he's bragging and I'm like, no, he's celebrating and he's allowed to celebrate because it's, it, you know, this goes back to like a, a way back at the beginning, you said after coming back from having a child, you had imposter syndrome and you might have had, I'm, I'm sure you did have imposter syndrome, but you were also walking into a room, maybe filled with people that didn't just have kids. And that feels, that's a legitimate thing that they're in a different place, right? So it's not just how do we celebrate, but it's also how do we create a world where we are excited for somebody else's success yes. and we know that their success doesn't take away from our success. And I mean, that's something that I have to, you know, as we're building our business, I personally have to continually remind myself 
Like other people can be super, super wonderful, good at even like the exact stuff that we do. And that doesn't mean there's less of it for us to have that success. Yep. Um, but I, I'm glad we're talking about this because I noticed when Riley was reading your description of all of these amazing things she, you did, you could, you could tell you were uncomfortable <laughs> hearing it. And that is pretty much across the board. Everyone. Yeah. Everyone. Now we've only had one male on, so I don't recall if David was uncomfortable or not listening. I don't either. Yeah. Um, but which, it, which tells me he probably wasn't because we usually probably not. We would have remembered. Um, but it is an interesting thing because to a certain extent, it's not just that um, you you don't want to celebrate because you don't want to come across as bragging or, you know, looking at all my look at all my amazing accomplishments. But we also haven't created a world where that's a safe thing for you to do. Like it's right. yeah. It, both things exist. So um, I, I found a question in there. Um, <laughs> um, you're teaching, you know, young minds. And I am I am a big fan of this newer generation. Like, I feel like this is sort of, I don't know if I, I'm in that, um, probably similar to both of you. I'm like in the, uh, what is the Oregon Trail generation, right? Like we're not quite Generation X and we're not quite millennial. Yeah. Um, we have our own little spot. But I think that this is a turn in that I mean I have definitely heard like oh these people just got a college and they don't know how to work and they don't know how to send an email and I'm like I really struggle to believe that's true because like my kids know how to like my kids emailing at 10 so I'm pretty yeah sure like, I okay. feel like they probably could be polite in an email but um <laughs> but but I, I mean I do think that this newer generation is just like so fantastic and they have such at least from a stereo if I can stereotype an entire generation of people like such wonderful, big empathy and feelings, and they're not afraid to actually have them. And it's amazing. So how do you though, continue um, as you're teaching these leaders that will then be theoretically, right, leading other people, and they're going to be leading people who don't have all of these great classes that they went through. They don't have all of this training and how to have empathy and leadership. And how do you teach them how to create a world where it's okay to celebrate themselves and give the safe space for other people to be celebrated. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. So we, um, you know, I so I have people in my life who are hiring um, people who are just coming out of college. And a lot of the sentiment that I hear, you know, obviously you don't hear all the great things. Like you only hear the whiny complaints. Right. Um, and so the so some of the sentiment I hear is like, hey, just came out of college and they're demanding this and they want, you know, extra, you know, flexible time. And they want, they think they deserve more money and like blah, blah, blah. They haven't worked. They don't know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, you don't like, do you understand how awesome it is that these kids know what they're worth? Like <laughs> also, we all deserve more money. Like, right. Let's be clear. And They're time. just the first ones that say it. <laughs> and it, and it's it's like the it's like the college debt argument. That's mm -hmm. why well, I had to pay for mine, so they should have to pay for yours. Well, that's ridiculous. If you somebody would have offered to pay for your college, you would have been thrilled. Like what? Why wouldn't you want that for anyone else? That right. Sense. Uh, not to mention, of course, that's much more expensive now than it was then. But um. 
but you know, it, it's just, it's shocking to me that because they really do like they, they have a greater understanding of, um, not accepting less than their worth. Yeah. And they have, um, and, and one of the things that we teach in the Institute, but really like it's me teaching myself and them being like, yeah, of course, um, <laughs> you know, how to bring your authentic self, like to the, you know, to the work and how to appreciate other people for their whole selves. Right. And so we talk about how important it is when you're leading a team that, you know, used to be in the workforce that you would walk into a meeting and you would say like, leave your problems at the door. You're here to do this work. I only am going to interface with you professionally and, um, and we're going to get this thing, this task done. But now, you know, the, the, the theory is, well, all of the things that happened before you walked into this meeting are informing your perspective and what you're bringing to the meeting and the value that you're adding um, and the diversity of perspectives are adding to the productivity that we can create. So it's really important that we appreciate you as a whole person and all of the things that happen outside of the meeting so that we can, you know, it, it actually boosts profits to do that, right? Like we can get a better product if our whole selves are, are uh, safe to come into the meeting. And so we're teaching that to our students, like, you, you know, you're a team leader, you need to um, have a relationship with the people on your team and they need to have a relationship with each other in which you appreciate them as a full human being and not just the person who does this task particularly well. Um, and they have an understanding of that that I don't think you know was part of what we were taught to go into the workforce and certainly not the generations before us. Um, but it's there's a very difficult transition period where like the the boomers who are who are working much later into their lives than the generations before them um, are sort of holding that holding that back a bit because they think, you know, well, you have to pay your dues um, yeah. and they don't you know, they don't have an appreciation for the societal change and the cultural change that's going to make their workforce better. Um, that these kids are bringing into the, you know, to their, to the workforce. Yeah. I think getting buy-in from that boomer generation is, is nearly impossible at this point. It's more of a waiting game to be like, <laughs> you guys are going to retire eventually and this will stop. Um, but I, I guess I have a cup. I have one more question and then I know we're running out of time. So I want us to get to our Oh, you know what? Let's take our, actually, sorry, everyone. Let's take our last <laughs> break. We'll do that. I'll ask my question and then we can do the quick response question. So we'll be right back, everyone. Now what I really love to do. Uh, take baths, go for walks, read, drink margaritas, hike. Yeah, not what I was referring to. You know, we're recording a commercial right now. I do, but I'm thinking outside the box, being adaptable. As I was saying, what I love to do is host our live monthly workshops. Oh, right. That's what we were talking about. Me too. They are a lot of fun to put together and host every month. And we can bring margaritas, so... Join us for live conversation as we get a bit deeper into topics near and dear to our hearts. We go through everything from self-care to setting boundaries. We share coaching tips practical advice, and take questions from the audience. It's a whole lot of fun. 
Sign up for our newsletter today at goboldlyinitiative.com slash contact to make sure you hear about all the upcoming Go Boldly workshops. You definitely don't want to miss out. Now, back to that show. Okay, welcome back to the show. Um, so we're almost going to wrap up, but I do want to ask you sort of a an open-ended big question. Um, and that is, if you knew there were no limitations on your life, no, nothing getting in the way, what would you do differently? Like what would change? If I, so I think, (laughs) I think I would, um, a couple of things. I think I would, um, start a nonprofit. Um, because I think a, I'd like to be in a position at some point where I'm the boss of everything. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, speaking about, you know, bra- you know, not feeling like bragging about accomplishments. I would like to, um, be the decision maker, um, and do the kind of, you know, empowerment work that I, um, feel passionate about, but in a way that's, of my making, right? Um, and that has exactly the impact that I want to have. Um, so I think, you know, going back to my saying, I'm risk averse, like, you know, I I would be afraid to do that in, um, in real life uh, because of the financial implications of that and the, and the concerns about, you know, that uh, business venture failing. Um, but I do, um, I would, I would love that. Um, I think I would probably move, um, as much as I love my community, I think I would move to a place that has better integration. Maybe I would even move out of the U S although I don't know where outside of the U S would have better integration (laughs) necessarily. Um, but I, yeah, I just feel like, you know, some ways, uh, our country is holding us back at this point. Um, and I, you know, I wish that I were in a, a place where, um, we could be free. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I'll come with you when, when we're ready to move out of the country to the undisclosed location, uh, <laughs> you can count us in. Um, well, so Tova, do you want to get to the quick response yeah. questions or do you, I didn't want to cut you off. If no, you have no, another no. I mean, question. obviously there's like so many, many things I want to follow up on, but yeah. I think in the interest of not having a eight hour long podcast <laughs> episode, um, Yes, I think we should jump into the bold questions. So if you've listened, you know these are these are short answer questions where there's no follow-ups from us. Um, and just, you know, it doesn't have to be a one-word answer, but it should be on the uh, the shorter side. So if you're ready, um, we will hop right in. I'll give it All my right. best shot. <laughs> All right. So uh, first thing, what is on your nightstand? My nightstand has multiple cups of water. My, my charging phone, a picture of my husband and I, and three, probably three notebooks, uh, with scribbled 2am. I forgot to do this, uh, notes and a bunch of books. One, a couple of, um, sort of, um, spiritual books that people had given me because they thought it would be a really helpful tool that I have never picked up. 
um, and um, a couple of of novels that I've read and then left there and never picked up. Like <laughs> uh, number two, who is at the top of your playlist right now? Who is at the top of my playlist? That is a good question. Um, so sadly, the top of my playlist is mostly things that my children listen to in the car. So we've got a lot of um, One Republic and <laughs> uh, things that I would never listen to on my own. But um, if, if we're talking about me, um, I've actually been, um, <laughs> I've been listening to um, a playlist that I made probably the beginning of the pandemic of favorite songs and just that were in movie soundtracks at the time because you know at the beginning of the pandemic we went through like our entire Netflix oh yeah um, catalog and so anytime there was a song in a show or a movie I like you know put it on my Spotify um so there's <laughs> like um it's got like you know, it's pretty, it's pretty light and airy. It's got um, a lot of, you know, sort of like indie pop songs on it and some Harry Styles. <laughs> nice. Nice. Like um, what is one thing you haven't done yet that you always wanted to do? Get a tattoo. Okay. Number four, favorite beverage. Mm, I'm very into rosé at the moment, you know, summertime. Mm-hmm. And last but not least, aside from necessities, what is one thing you could not go a day without? Could not go a day without snuggles from my four-year-old. Oh, awesome. Um, well, we really, really appreciate you coming on this show. If we want to stay on top of like all the awesome things that you're doing at the Leadership Institute and all of this stuff. How do people stay either in touch with you or see what the school is doing? What do we, where do we go on the socials? Okay, so um, we are Bucino Leaders on social, um, B-U-C-C-I-N-O Leaders. And we, our um, website is shu.edu slash leadership. Awesome. awesome. Well, Thank you again for coming on the show. We'd love talking to you. I know people are going to take things away from this conversation that will help them, you know, figure out what is holding them back and hopefully start to overcome those things. Because um, as we've said before, we only get one life that we know of. So we might as well enjoy most of it if we can. Um, with that, we will be back next week, everyone, with another episode on unlocking what is holding you back. Until then, everyone, have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your week. Thanks so much for listening to We Go Boldly podcast. We know you're busy and we love spending time with you. If you enjoyed this week's episode, let us know. Head to Apple Podcasts right now to rate and review our show. While you're there, be sure to click that subscribe button. Want more us time? Follow us on all the socials at Go Boldly Together. Want even more us time? As in all the coaching pizzazz. Find us at GoBoldlyInitiative.com for all the info. We will be back with more excitement, research, and deep thoughts next week. Until then, keep on being the bold, brave, amazing people we know you already are.